Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Sunday. Uh, Sunday, August 28th, 2022. Today is uh, live with CDP Sports Podcast Season 4, Episode 25. And I'm looking forward to my guest today. Uh, he should be on shortly. And my guest today uh, is um, Frank Fazy. He's a former radio personality on the Fan 590. He also was doing some uh, reporting work for the Leafs and the Blue Jays in the 90s. And he was also a musician. And he is a huge Detroit Red Wings fan as well. And right now he's in Florida. So I will bring on Frank in a minute or two. And we're going to talk about his career in radio and also the uh, music industry and maybe a little uh, bit of Red Wings hockey as well. So you guys can check Frank on Instagram at Frank Fazy, And he's also on Twitter as well. So uh, just bear with us. He's in Florida, so he's just getting set up. But look forward to speaking to him today. And uh, he did cover the Jays and the, the Jays and the Leafs in the in the early 90s. Um, I guess for a couple years helping out with a uh, covering for Howard Berger and uh, back then the Blue Jays were back to back World Series champs in 92, 93 and the Maple Leafs were going to uh, Western Conference finals in those years in 93 and 94. They lost to the Kings in 93 and seven and then in 94 they lost to the Canucks I think in five games but they had really good hockey teams and it was a good time for uh, sports back then as well and Frank uh, was in the music industry as well so um, just give me one second guys and I'm going to bring on Frank Fazy and we're going to talk a little bit of his career. Hey, Frank, good afternoon. How are you doing in Florida? Ah, it's uh, just started to rain, Chris, so I had to go indoors. I was going to have a beautiful swimming pool in the background, but it started to uh, to rain. I want to thank you for having me on today, Chris. I'm flattered, and I think it's great what you're doing. And don't stop for anything. Keep pushing on, buddy. It's a great well, thing you're doing. Thank you. Uh, one of my inspirations was a, a football player named Vince Papale. He played for the Eagles in the mid-70s. He was actually a bartender, and he was not drafted in the NFL, and he loved the Eagles, and he made the team as a walk-on, and his stories kind of inspired me. I'm a little bit older than he was when he went into the NFL, but it just doesn't matter what age you are. Is If you have the passion and desire to do something, do it and and he's by been one of my inspirations in what i'm trying to do with switching careers later in life absolutely chris it's uh you know i i'm a guy that's bounced from from career to career in my life so yeah uh, whatever whatever you know drives your heart that makes you want to you know that makes you want to get up every morning and and strive for something the money will come. Money isn't what makes people happy in this life, right? So don't stop. Keep keep uh, keep keep your love for sports and and keep your drive for for these podcasts. I think it's the way of the future and I th I think that that you're really on to something good here because people people want to hear some positive stuff especially in these times, all this pandemic oh, yeah. and all the stuff we've gone through the last few years. Couple years. So 
So it's great stuff you're doing. And, and funny, but you must know the Plimpkin story, the guy who who uh, dreamed of playing in the NFL and got to play one game with the Detroit Lions, a similar story to what you're saying. And, uh, and Steve Sullivan, there's another guy who inspired me in the Sioux. You know, he, he never made the Greyhounds the first year he was drafted. Uh, he went up to Thunder Bay and played in a Northern League, scored 220 points. The next year, the Greyhounds opened their eyes and said, we should give this kid a shot. You know, and by Christmas, he was the best player on the Greyhounds, I thought. And you know what he did after. He did the same thing on the New Jersey Devils. He was a walk-on. He, uh, you know, he everybody kept saying the same thing to him. You're too small. You're not big enough. And he didn't listen to anybody. And he had about a seven or eight-year NHL career. And, you know, pretty good little player. Played for the Leafs, I think, for a minute even. Yeah, and, like you said. Yeah, I remember him too, and 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 stories like that motivate me. And uh, every guest that comes on here has a story too. And some of these guests tell me stuff I didn't even know about, and it kind of inspires me and, and stuff like that. So yeah, you're right. There's too many negative people out there, and a lot of people that don't. Um, they just like I said, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. I've already proved people wrong the last two and a half years because they didn't think I was gonna last at this, and I'm like, I'm not giving up on this. Chris, no matter what you do, there'll always be haters. You know, there's people that, that don't like me. I mean, but I don't worry about them. Like like a salesman says, I'm looking for the one who likes me. I'm not looking for the ones. If, you know, people, people, their jealousy is one of the seven deadly sins, right? People will always be jealous. And they're especially jealous of people that will take a chance or step out and do something that they love because maybe some of them don't have that in them or the guts to do it. So don't listen to anybody and keep your, keep your spirits up. And I love to talk about sports and, and music. So let's do it. I, you know, I can start my story from how I, you know, started in Sault Ste. Marie, a great little hockey town and, and worked my way to Toronto and got in the music scene and never made it big. I never made the big bucks, but I have so many memories and experiences that to me, are worth an insurmountable amount. I wouldn't take the lottery, uh, the, the Ontario lottery, to give back the memories I've had in my life, Chris. I was going to say, uh, have you ever thought about writing a book about your career? It's, it's funny you said that. A good friend of mine last night, Shane McConnell, a guy who I played in a band with for years who lives in New Mexico now, he's one of my best pals. He, he said to me last night on Chris's show, you should ask if there's any ghost writers out there because, you know, if, if anybody's interested in writing a, a very interesting story. But basically, I was a lucky guy. I, I have to pinch myself. You know, I grew up in a small town that was a hockey town. My whole neighborhood was hockey. I mean, there was the Dubas family. Of course, Kyle's dad and uncle lived around the corner from me. Walter, his uncle, was one of my best pals who we later played on a Toronto uh, uh, Lee's Palace hockey team together with Andy Frost. We were on a line together and Walter's a great guy. So I'll never criticize Kyle. All my friends are always harping at me to fire Kyle. And, but I, I, I can't say that cause I love the Dubas family. They're great people. They're one of the nicest families. You know, they were a family in my neighborhood that had a full scale hockey rink in their backyard, like blue lines, red line, you know, Kyle's grand or Kyle's grandfather coached the Sioux Greyhounds. 
So they're a hockey family for generations and they're just great people, you know, and they lived across the street from Angelo Bambaco. If you're familiar with him, he was an owner of the Greyhounds and then, then got involved with Phil Esposito with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So my whole neighborhood was just Lou Nanny, Carrie Ferrelli, who was a stud, you know, uh, the great uh, Fred Perlini lived uh, not too far from me and his sons have done well. Uh, they're both coming up in the hockey world and Freddie's been a friend my whole life. We keep touch all the time and I hope he's watching right now. He was an inspiration to me. He was such a great athlete as a kid. I always admired and looked up to him and basically then I, you know, I, I just had too much energy for the Sioux and I wanted to get to Toronto and pursue. And I was lucky that I had a father who was a jock. You know, my dad coached high school basketball and my uncle was a really good athlete. You'll like this story because I know you're a Tiger fan. My uncle was got a, a walk-on letter from the Tigers and uh, went to the rookie camp. He actually hit a home run in Tiger Stadium, my uncle. So he was a good ball player. He's an American. You know, my, half my family's from Michigan. Half is from Ontario. So I'm a dual citizen. That's actually, I'm down here actually, in Florida. Actually, it's funny, uh, Frank, as, as well. I have a family in Michigan, too. Cousins. They're, they're in Taylor, Michigan, and Allen Park, Michigan, oh, and Royal that Oak, Michigan. Oh, is that what made you a Tiger fan, Chris? Yes. I'm surprised you're not a Blue Jay fan. <laughs> Now, my cousins, I grew up in Oakville after we left the Sioux, but uh, my cousins in Michigan, when I went and visited them in the 70s, uh, I would always be in awe of Tiger Stadium crossing the Ambassador Bridge into Detroit, and uh, they used to take me to Tiger games. I'm like, wow, Tiger Stadium, Alan Trammell, Lou Whitaker, Sparky Anderson. So I they, they converted me into being a Red Wings Tigers and Pistons fan and Michigan. Oh, Wolverines you got to love that, Chris. I love my Red Wings, you know, because my dad and uncle were from the Michigan side as a kid. You know, they both loved the wings. And then like you, my uncle took me down to Tiger Stadium when I was 10 years old because my hero, and I know he's a little before your time because I'm older than you, Chris. But if you remember Bill Freehan, who I think just passed away a couple of years yes. ago. I got to shake his hand when I was like 10 years old because I had a broken femur bone and they took me, you know, how they take like people who have injuries up ramps and through the, you know, the back way. Well, I was, had a broken leg. So they let me meet the players. I met Bill Freehan, which was the, like one of the thrills of my life as a kid next to seeing Bobby Orr in Sault Ste. Marie as a kid. That was I'll never forget that because uh, luckily Phil Esposito had a cottage three doors from my great aunt. So every summer we'd run out there and we'd be like, my mother would want to kill me because I just linger around Phil Esposito's house like a little, you know, puppy dog, right? When's he coming home? When are we going to get to see him? And I'll never forget the day Bobby Orr was out there visiting him. And I saw Bobby Orr at 10 years old. It was like I had just seen God, you know, so because uh, number four was my idol as a kid, Chris. And then basically I took that to Toronto, you know, and all my connections and my guitar player and I from the Sioux, Shane McConnell, we went down to Toronto and we just kind of got lucky. We started playing at a little club called the Upper Lip with a guy from the Downchild Blues Band, Hawk Walsh. And next thing you know, Gatto was playing with us, if you're familiar with Greg Godovitz. And uh, we had uh, Errol Starr, another, uh, 
another recording uh, guy from Canadian, a Canadian artist, and just about everybody. And then we moved it to a bigger stage at Lee's Palace, which re really became an incredible, like, it, it would it would be hard for a younger guy to understand, but basically every Canadian musician who was anybody had come there to play with us from honeymoon suite to well tommy lee sat in with us one night you know there was a packed crowd of 500 people there and they went nuts he got up and played acdc with us and we've we had everybody sit in with us from tesla lover boy came to our jam colin james uh platinum blonde kenny mclean uh, mark holmes all those, you know, Terry Watkinson from Max Webster used to get up and do Webster songs at our jam. The place was packed every Sunday at Lee's. And it was just like, to this day, I have to pinch myself when I think of the things that went on there. And not, not to mention that, Chris, and I'll stop in a second and let you speak, but just what channeled out of there, like Randy Cook, our drummer, one of our drummers now plays with Smash Mouth. He lives in LA. He's one of the t top 200 drummers in the world. Uh, you know, Greg Critchley, uh, just about every, Dave Bendeth, everybody sat in with us there. Sergio Galli, uh, you know, just about everybody in the music scene in Canada, Liberty Silver, uh, uh, Holly Cole, just about everybody would come. Christine Simpson would sit in the front row every night. I'm sure you're familiar with her from, uh, you know, Hockey Night Canada, Craig's sister. Uh, Craig Simpson invited me to his wedding because all the Oilers used to come to our jam at Lee's Palace when they were in town. I remember one night, Mess and Gretzky and all those guys had us buying drinks for us till five in the morning in Lee's Palace. The owner just kept the door open. He basically, you know, wouldn't kick them out because it was Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier. So the experiences that I had in the 80s around that band and, you know, Steve Jensen, my guitarist was from Zappa Costa and my drummer was from Platinum Blonde. And, you know, just the experiences that we had there were, were mind-blowing, Chris. I, I, I can't believe it all happened the way it did. But uh, that's my story. And then, then it led uh, quickly because, you know, uh, a guy named Ralph James was one of my best friends. He books Nickelback and Tragically Hip. And Ralph, uh, Ralph was best friends with a guy named Andy Frost, who was from Winnipeg, and he worked for the Winnipeg Jets. And he kept telling me, Ralph, he said, Andy's trying to get a job here in Toronto. And when he comes, he doesn't know anybody here. He said, uh, you know, I, I want to introduce you to him. So when Andy came to Toronto, he got a job at Q107 with around the same time John Gallagher and Steve Anthony and all those people were, were jumping in, in Q107 with Gary Slate. Andy became like my best pal. You know, I spent so much time with him and, and Ralph James from Harlequin. We were like a trio and we were always at Andy's house with Derringer and playing trivia games and talking hockey. We were music guys that loved hockey. So basically out of that came an idea through a friend, Bob Makowitz at Q107. He, he said, Frank, 
you're like such a unique guy because you're a good, you know, you're a pretty good hockey player. You play sports like crazy and you're a singer guy in a band. He said, you know, there's a lot of interconnecting stories with music and sports, you know, like Elton John, Rod Stewart, Billy Ray Cyrus. You know, they've always had interest in sports or connecting stories with soccer or baseball. So we started a little show called Jock and Roll that got syndicated on the fan. Uh, Andy helped me a lot with it because he had so much experience in radio. He's such a great guy, Frosty and uh, Makowitz. And John Derringer was the voice of our show. I know John's gone through a bit of the Me Too crap this year, and I feel sorry for him because John was a, is a super talented guy, and I hated to see him leave Q107 in that manner. But he was the voice of our show. And basically, we did topics every week about... You know, like Tom Cochran's song, The Big League, how how it was about a hockey player who got killed on a highway. We did a story on, you know, Rod Stewart, his love for soccer, Elton John's love for soccer. Uh, there was so many stories. Of course, uh, the late uh, singer of Tragically Hip, Gord Downey, was also a big hockey guy. And there's the Bill Barilko song. And so we did stories crossing, basically, Chris, crossing stories and it was called jock and roll it was syndicated for about two years and it was just a thrill i got to interview mario lemieux i got to interview mike greenwell uh mark langston uh, you know all the baseball guys eckersley uh you know i interviewed uh dave Cohn and and mark langston and just you know a ton of ball players what a thrill and i'll never forget being in the dugout i gotta tell you this one little story one day I'm in the dugout, and I think Bruce Barker, who you know, was sitting in there with me. And Dave Cohn came in, and he said, does anybody want to play catch here? And I thought, I can't catch this guy's ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm a decent ball player, but it's Dave Cohn. You know what I mean? He said, no, no, I'm just going to throw it easy. Come on out. So I ended up playing catch with Dave Cohn on the Jays field. Like, So, Chris, the experiences I've had in my lifetime, again, I've never – you know, made the big bucks or, you know, I'm lucky to be here in Florida and live a decent life. But I'm just, I pinch myself, Chris, at the experiences that, that I've had in my life. You know, I drank out of the cup with the Oilers. You know, I got friends with, with through Wayne, I got to know, well, Paul Coffey was in two of my classes in Sault Ste. Marie. So through Wayne and Paul, I got to know the Oilers. I went to Boston when they won the cup. I was drinking out of the cup with those guys and you know, so Chris, I, I just, I'm a lucky, I consider myself one of the luckiest, you know, people around. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed and I've had a, a, a lucky life, Chris. And, and it all came from doing what you're doing, pursuing what you love and getting after it. And don't listen to anybody, Chris, just keep doing what you're doing. I think this is a great thing. Well, I was going to say thank you so much. And uh, I I, um, I was born in Sault Ste. Marie, but I didn't stay there long. For, I was born there in 72, but then I think my parents moved in 74 to Oakville. But born in wow. Sioux, so I'm a Sioux native. And, uh, so you're a also, Sioux guy too. Wow. But not very long. Not very long. And right. then I moved to, Oak, moved to Oakville, and then I've been in Guelph the last 40 years. But, hey, I went to my first game at Tiger Stadium in 1982 when I was 10 years old. August 82, Frank Tanana, Texas, Jack Morris, Tanana. Detroit Tigers. And my cousin Terry, her favorite old-time Tiger player, she lives in Taylor, Michigan, is Bill Freehand. No way. Yeah. He was my I have idol his bobblehead kid, too. Freehand. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I loved them. And I love that middle infield too, like you said, Whitaker and Trammell. Those guys were amazing. Yep. You know, I love the Tigers. You know, a lot of Sault Ste. Marie people are Tiger fans. You know, we're right, we're just a quick bridge. We go we go to Sioux, Michigan to buy milk, Chris. We go there to buy gas. We go there to buy, you know, back in the day. I mean, the bridges now with this COVID has become yeah. but the Sioux, the two Sioux were, you know, and growing up, I was lucky to grow up in that town. There's so many good good people there and uh you know it's just it's just such a sports town chris the internet has has in a lot of ways been you know caused a lot of problems in society in my opinion you know when we were kids chris we were saying it was nothing to get eight or ten guys to go play baseball or sweep and scrub or or, hockey yeah 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 nowadays with these phones and call of duty and all these stupid games kids play shooting people and you know i i just think it's brought a lot of negativity in the world chris i i i i I just loved that when i was a kid we all went to play golf and hockey and baseball and we played every sport i wasn't great at any of them but i could play all of them because that's all we did as kids do you know what i mean chris and i'm sure you know, you're only 10 years younger than me. You're from the same generation. We didn't have yeah. these phones and this crap iPhone, Apple, yeah. and, you know, it was sports. We love sports, right, Chris? Yeah, I, I agree with some of your points there as well. But without this technology, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast show. Good, I, good I point. I, I try to take it this good way, point. Frank. No. It's 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 like uh, it's like food and alcohol. There's food good for you, and there's alcohol that's bad for you. But uh, social media, if you use it the right way, it can be a good tool too. I would totally agree with that. There's great things about the internet. Absolutely, I'll tell you one of them that I love the most is getting around Florida, where I'm new here. I've only been here a year, without having to know where you're going you just put it in your ways i mean to me that's the best thing about the internet <laughs> it's just that i don't ever have to worry about trying to find some place you know like uh you know it's when you're foreign to an area or it's just so easy that ways thing is one of the greatest inventions ever but you're right without this technology you know we wouldn't have a lot of a lot of the great stuff that we have now but it it also causes a lot of problems, leaves kids sitting on their couch, eating chips, getting fat and yeah, not getting out and getting exercise. Wouldn't exercise. you agree, Chris? I agree. And when I was younger, living in Oakville in the 70s, I played street hockey every day after school until nine o'clock at night, played baseball in the summertime with my friends. It was a, I, I don't regret growing up in the 70s and 80s. And also, Frank, to, to, to be honest with you, the 70s and 80s are the two best decades for music in my opinion 70s and 80s oh music. i totally agree <laughs> i would you'd never get a fight with me on that i'm i still in my car all i have is journey foreigner you know i <laughs> i'm stuck in the 80s buddy i'm you know i i, I can't say I, I like some of the hip-hop i like some of the newer music because because i, I i'm a musician and i appreciate Yes. You know, any any good music. So there's some of it I like. I like Three Doors Down. I like Live and Stone Temple Pilot. I like some of the grunge music, but I'm still an 80s guy. You know, I listen to Journey and and uh, you know all those great bands, the Eagles. That's that's really what's driven me. But but back going back to Lee's Palace, like just thinking back, like because last night I called a few of the guys in the band to tell them to listen to this podcast but it was incredible because 
like every Sunday, because the guys in my band played with bigger bands, like, you know, my bass player, Jeff Jones, was touring with Red Rider. You know, he played on Lunatic Fringe. He played on White Hot, all those great Tom Cochran songs, Boy, Boy Inside the Man, The Big League. He played on all that stuff. So Jeff attracted a lot of people to Sunday. You know, I mean, everybody would want to come and play with him. And that was the case with all the guys in my band. I was so blessed. They were so talented. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a big reunion next summer. And I'd love, love to have you come and see us. I think, you, I think you'd be pretty impressed. I was lucky to have great guys behind me. And then at least every week, some celebrity would want to come and play with us. I think we had Ben Montench, who wrote, who wrote uh, he played in the Heartbreakers with Tom Petty, and he wrote um, uh, in a New York Minute by Don Henley. He's, he's a genius. He played with us for three weeks, Ben Montench. Like, Chris, I, I, I'm just so lucky at the experiences I had. Tesla sat in with us. Um, oh, what's his name from Skid Row? Sebastian Bach, who's from Toronto. I kind of helped him and Jeff Healy because they were younger than me and they used to come down to my jam and they wanted to sit in. And Jeff, Jeff was, was intimidated. You know, his friend would come in and say, Hey, my friend's blind. He's 16 years old. He'd love to get up and play with you guys. And and I said, sure, but you know, he's underage. Like, I don't know if he's going to get kicked out of the bar, but anyways, he'd come in and he'd put his chair down, Jeff Healy, and he was blind. You know, you could see he was scared, but he, he was 16. And the raw talent that he had, you knew it was going to blow up. You know, you knew for him and the fact just that, that he was blind, you know, like Stevie Wonder. And so I was one of the first guys to let Sebastian on a stage from Skid Row. He was a younger kid and Jeff Healy. And, you know, I sat in with just about every Canadian musician. I'm just lucky, Chris. I'm just a lucky guy. Grew up in a good time. And uh, it was a lot of fun, you know. So it's uh, I feel I feel blessed in life, Chris. Money isn't is never going to be the thing that makes people happy because I feel like I won the lottery on just 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 the friends I had, the people I was around, all the great sports people. You know, uh, going back to the Sioux people, you know, the Dubases and Perlinis and all those, you know, those people I grew up with in the Sioux that were such great athletes. Jimmy Ralph also, you know, grew up in the Sioux. Ralphie, the great, uh, the great comedian. He's such a funny guy, you know, when he imitates Don Cherry and all those guys. So Ralphie, Ralphie, you know, all those people were influences on me. You know, I admired them. I looked up to them like all of us, Chris. In Northern Ontario, as little kids, what did we want to do? We all wanted to be in the NHL. I mean, that's every kid back then. Wanted. I'm sure you, as a kid, dreamed of being a, in the Tigers or being a pro athlete yourself, right? We all wanted that. Definitely. Hey, and when I grew up in, in, in Oakville in the 70s, I obviously loved the classic rock, but I also like disco music too. I know back then it was either you <laughs> like classic rock or disco, and I know it, I know a lot of people, it's either you like it or you hate it, but I, I had a lot of great choices back then, and uh, the music back then, even today, when I hear that music from the 70s and 80s, including Saga or even Bob Seger, it just takes me back 
to uh, my childhood. Days. You like that music, eh? Yes. And when you say disco, Chris, what, yes. what do you mean disco? You mean like uh, Goddess Summer? You mean like uh, the late seventies or uh, Saturday the Night Fever? <laughs> ba the Bay City Rollers, K Casey and the Sunshine Band, uh, the Spinners. Because I used to do uh, rollerblading back then, and that was Me popular. That's crazy. I, I, my first job at 16 in Sault Ste. Marie, and you know how popular well, it was. I worked at Saints Roller Rink as a DJ. That was what kind of, and it's so funny, it went full circle because we had Wolfman Jack as a guest in my DJ booth when I was 16 years old. I worked with Wolfman Jack. So that was kind of the start of, of really what, and then, of course, Trooper, this is the funniest thing. Trooper came to the Sioux when I was 16, and they they roller skated with us and because they were playing in the Sioux at, at the Memorial Gardens, which is where the Sioux Greyhounds play. And, and funny enough, 25 years later, it, it just tells you how, how the world and life goes full circle. I opened up for Trooper with my band. And meanwhile... Wow. You know, 20 years before that, I was a DJ at a roller rink, a little kid, and they came there and everybody wanted their autograph and blah, blah, blah. And 20 years later, I'm I'm opening act for Trooper. It's just, you know, that's life, Chris. And that tells you why you should keep after what you're doing, because, you know, you just never know when a break will come. You know, look at that guy, Joe Rogan. I mean, I, I'm not going to talk politics, but yeah. he he he. Uh, he 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 tried everything. He was kind of a a, a loser. He he couldn't get successful at every every you know career that he tried, and then it just blew up for him. You know he 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 got on that talk show and he started talking about topics that were you know that were sensitive or people that were you know outspoken, and his show is just huge now. So so I guess that's a little. Uh, thing towards you, Chris, to not uh, to not give up and keep. If if you love doing this, just keep doing it. And I love what you're doing because I love sports talk, and I love, you know, I'd love to have as many of these sports talk shows as possible because uh, sports is sports has been the you know savior of my life. Even during dark times, Chris, Tons. you know, if you have go through some rough days in your life, which we all have, you know. Uh, I, you know, what am I telling you? I, I, you know, I had a few years where I suffered from a bit of mental health and addiction. You know, I don't mind saying that on here because I, I think that we should all face those issues, you know, and thank God, you know, through help from KMH and, and going to meetings, uh, you know, a, a guy who was a star for the Sioux Greyhounds, Graham Bonner. I he remember him. 60, do you remember Graham? Yeah, he yes. played on the World Junior, scored 66 goals in the OHL. He was a stud. Like, he should have easily made the NHL. He was drafted by Montreal, and, you know, he ran into those problems. And God bless Graham now. He's quite a guy. He's uh, He works at KMH, and he spends every waking hour of his life trying to help people that are in trouble or suffering from mental health or addiction. So people like Graham, you know, we got to tip our hat to. And you know yourself, Chris, there's been a lot of hockey players and athletes that have suffered from this and, you know, uh, committed suicide and, you know, different issues. So I, I'm always up to talk about, you know, 
problems. If you're if you're struggling, you know, it's 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 okay to not be okay. You know what I mean, Chris? Yeah, and one of my friends was saying Bell's got this thing called let's talk, but my one friend uh, Lindsay says it should be let's listen too, because listening is just as important as talking as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so Graham, uh, you know, guys like that really inspire me. You know, he didn't make the NHL. I mean, I, you know, he put on the shirt for a while. He had his troubles, but he does so many positive things now. Um, you know, he's involved in puck support. And speaking of which, I want to thank Sandra Murray for connecting yes. with me yes. with you. Sandra is a really nice girl and she works with puck support. And I, I think that's a very important part of sports. We, we can't ignore people's troubles because even a pro athlete who's making millions of dollars, we, we, we struggle with understanding that he can, he can not be happy. He can ha be a very unsettled person, even though he has a lot of money or any pro athlete. So I don't think, I think in today's day, we shouldn't ignore people that have any kind of struggles. And uh, so that was a part also of my life that I'm, I'm proud that I made it through uh, some struggles. And I have two beautiful children. I just had two gr twin Grand grandsons. It almost Congratulations. Brings... Thanks, Chris. That's awesome. So, so I, I've been a blessed guy, Chris. And uh, it's just life is goes full circle. You know, and the main thing is we love our family and we cherish our friends. I've been so lucky to have so many people in my life and friends around me. I just consider myself a lucky person, Chris, really do. And um, I got to look at it that way too. And also I'm going to tell you this, Frank, for years when I was younger, I was like, oh no, people who have celebrity status, fame, money have to be happy. It's people that are poor and don't have as much that are miserable. But that's not the case because I stayed in a, my former job too long just for the money and to be honest i'm not gonna say who which the company was obviously i've moved on from it but i was miserable even with the money and now okay i'm making less money right now but i'm also much a I'm much a happier person this podcast show my media work and uh doing uh rogers tv as a camera operator for the Guelph storm i'm a much happier person than i was even three years ago that's that's amazing chris and don't uh like i said don't stop you know don't listen you, you know you told me yesterday you had a you know people throwing negative comments and no matter what you do in this world people are gonna throw neg note you know people won't like everybody it's just I don't, I don't ever let those things slow me down you know i love me that's the first most important thing is you have to love yourself and if you if you love life you love people and you're in, you, you enjoy the waking up in the morning and doing what you do. That's everything to me. So don't listen to anybody, Chris. Uh, I think it's excellent. And you, you said you also work with the Argos. It's funny because when I worked at the fan for those couple years and I was covering, you know, whatever, like you mentioned on your, on your prelude that I covered for Howard Berger. And that's pretty much what I did. Like Howard was so busy that when he couldn't make a leaf practice or a Jays practice or batting practice or he couldn't get out to a celebrity golf tournament or the Canadian Open, they would send me, you know, Scott Metcalf, uh, Dan Shillman was at the fan there at that time. He's a great broadcaster, Dan Shillman. He came on, He's done so he, well. 
he came sorry. on my show a year ago. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you up there. Uh, cut you off No, there. no, no, say, please. Dan Shawman, I didn't think I'd have a hell of a, a chance in hell of having him on my show a year ago. And he wow. came on for a half an hour. And as soon as I talked to him about Ernie Howell on the Taggers back in the 80s and 90s, he opened up to me. And uh, I was shocked that somebody I look up to in the industry uh, came on my show. Great guy. Oh. Same as Jerry Howarth. Oh, Dan Shillman has done so well. Like I was flattered that I got to work with him for a couple of years and Scott Ferguson. Uh, they had me, yeah, a little show they, they sparked up called Off the Wall with Frank Fazy. It was Scott Ferguson's idea who covered the Blue Jays. And basically it was a show about quirky things that athletes do, like how Wade Boggs ate chicken before every game, how Mike Greenwell wrestled alligators, you know, they all had these weird superstitions. You know, Bill Lee, the pitcher, used to wear a Rush t-shirt under his uniform, the same Rush t-shirt every game. You know, so there was a, we did a bunch of stuff with Scott and Dan. So I'm flattered that I got to work with those guys. They're, they were really nice guys. I was blessed to work at the station. Gord Stellick was also great to me back then. I got to cover the four on four when the strike funny, of course, just my luck. The one of the two years that I was covering the Leafs was the NHL strike year, of course. So, so I missed half the season, but, but I went out to cover the four on four hockey that they had with Roenick and all those guys out in Hamilton at the cops and just all the experiences I, I had and, around hockey, you know, Pat Burns. I interviewed him about playing with the Good Brothers. I, I still, to this day, Pat Burns was was not the easiest guy to interview or to speak with. You know, he was a very, he had a bit of a cold side to him, but I had the ultimate uh, respect and admiration for him. I just thought he was a very serious guy with a great direction. And I, I think, he, I still to this day, think he's the best coach the Leafs have ever had. I, I, I mean, and the proof's in the pudding. He, he brought them the closest they've been since, you know, since 67 to the cup. I'm not a Leaf fan, but, but uh, I, you know, for a lot of my friends, you know, I lost a friend two years ago, Mike O'Brien in the Sioux, who was the biggest Leaf fan ever. And he had a heart attack and died. And I just, sometimes it bothers me, Chris, because some of my friends that love the Leafs, I'm getting older, they're passing away. And I'm thinking, poor guy, he never got to see them win again, you know? But uh, that's, that's uh, let's hope Toronto, you know, for the Dubas family, I love the Dubases. I really hope the Leafs turn it around and get on track. And, you know, they've just had that monkey on their back losing out in the first round every year. And it's just poor Leaf fans, you know, they Toronto deserves, they deserve to bring that Stanley cup down young street. I just, you know, I, I don't know if you'll like it. I'm not a Leaf fan, but no, but uh, for my friends, you know, Sil Simone, my buddy's a great guitar player. He, played played with uh, Rick Emmett and Tom Cochran and several others this guy loves the Leafs I mean he's you know all my friends in the music business and uh, you know that love the Leafs around Toronto I'd almost like to see them win the cup just for all my buddies you know what I mean but uh, why well, and uh, but it was I've great to work around the yeah. Leafs sorry go ahead 
Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I'm obviously I'm a Red Wings fan. I'm still not over the 93 loss to the Leafs, but I've had um, Joe Bowen's son, Sean Bowen, on my uh, podcast. I he's, uh, he's with the Argonauts. He's a great guy, his son, Sean. And I've had Mike Ross on, who replaced uh, Andy. And he's a really good guy, too. I've befriended Mike Ross as well. And uh, just getting to know some guys from the Leafs, even though I'm not a Leaf fan, it's like, you know what? I hope one day they do get their cup because Joel's been with the Leafs since 82. Jim Ralph's been with the Leafs a long time as well, uh, alongside Joel. And uh, Mike Ross does a really good job. I liked Mike when he was on satellite radio, and I guess he did some work up in Ottawa. And, and it wasn't easy for him to replace, uh, fall in the footsteps of Andy Frost. And he was very respectful to, to Andy Frost and also Paul Morris, the original uh, PA announcer for the Leafs as well. So I when you love get, yeah. You know, it's funny is Frosty's like one of my best friends and, and and he did a fantastic job. I'll never, you know, Frosty was great. He had a great voice, great speaker, super uh, articulate guy. Andy is, is, you've never met a guy who is so fanatical about pronunciations. He's perfect for that job. He always knows how to spell everybody's name and he's the perfect guy, but I guess Shanahan uh, wanted a change there. I don't know what the story was. I think it's a mistake because, I mean, Frosty's one of my best pals, and yes. I, I don't like that they fired him. The same thing might happen with Dubas. You know, if they get rid of Kyle, I might yep. start hating the Leafs even more because more. they could get rid of the people that I loved, Frosty and the Dubases. So, so uh, it was tough when they let Andy go, being such a close friend, and he was so good at the job. I I'm not sure what that, what the direction was, but, and going back to what you said, Chris, Paul Morris was one of my idols. Like when I used to go in Maple Leaf Gardens and hear those shrill calls, you know, Toronto goal scored by number 17, Wendell Clark, assisted by number 14. You know, he just had that beautiful, smooth yeah. voice. Yeah, I yeah. love that guy. He was amazing. Big guy. Have you ever seen Paul Morris? He was no, no, very large fellow. Yeah, he's a big man, but what a voice he had, you know. I just loved his shrill sound in Maple Leaf Gardens. But what went on around Maple Leaf Gardens was amazing. You know, we used to like we all stood above the Reds. There'd be Frankie Venom up there, funny enough, uh, the late Frankie Venom from Teenage Head, myself, and all kinds of you know, people at uh of course, uh, what's his name? The redheaded kid who does the Blue Jays now. He used to stand with us too. He was a young kid. Jamie uh, Campbell. Kevin, uh, ja sorry? Jamie Campbell. That exactly. Jamie Campbell. Jamie Campbell. So Jamie used to stand with us up there. And, you know, all of us would stand up and talk hockey. And, uh, you know, Dick Beddows sat, sat below us. You're probably too young to remember Dick Beddows. I remember but he was, you remember him, eh, Chris? You're yep. amazing. But Dick yep. used to sit below us with his hats. You know, he used to wear those those Fedora uh, fedoras hats. with his wife, uh, Cecilia, I believe her name was. And we'd go down and talk to Dick on every intermission about hockey. And he just loved talking to us because, you know, we were, we were, you know, and going back to Fred Perlini, who was my buddy, you know, as a kid in the Sioux, he played for the Marlies when we'd go to those Leaf games every night. So I'd go to Maple Leaf Gardens at noon hour to watch Freddie play because he was pretty much the best player on the Marlies and I grew up with him. And then the Leaf game at night, I'd be in Maple Leaf Gardens from, from noon hour till 11 o'clock at night and I wasn't even a Leaf fan. 
<laughs> you know, and then then starting to work around them with the fan there for a few years. So Maple Leaf Gardens was, I, I don't know how much time I spent in there, but it had to be a couple of years. I think I've seen over 250 Leaf games in there. So Maple Leaf Gardens will always be a special place in my heart, you know. I know there was some dark stuff going on in the gardens that uh, we don't want to get into, but it was, uh, that was, you know, sad that uh, a lot of that stuff went on down there in Ballard. I question sometimes Harold's, uh, the way he carried on, he's a bit of a bigot. You know, he was, he was, uh, Harold was a unique guy, you know. I mean, I don't think he'd fly today in the Me Too kind of uh, politically Era. correct world correct. we live yeah. in today. Harold yeah. Ballard probably would have been canceled. What do you think, Chris? Absolutely. <laughs> it's like it was Don Cherry, too. And, uh, hey, I was going to say also, um, Frank, we are talking about this. Not just sports. There's a human element to the side of it, too. Once you get to know people, you, you we all have our favorite teams and likes and stuff. But there is... But they, they're a human element as well. And uh, by the way, I was only able to go to two games at Maple Leaf Gardens. My late father took me to 78 against Hartford and 1980 against the Stanley Cup champion Islanders. But you know what? Even being a Red Wings fan back then, it was a, such an honor to go to Maple Leaf Gardens. And, Absolutely. Uh, and it's just as a, I was in awe when I went there as a kid. And I was lucky that I got to go there a couple games. So funny that we're both Red Wing fans, you know, but I remember the brawls in there between oh, the yes. things, you know, and it's funny oh, yes. because from the Sioux, I knew people on almost every team. I mean, you know, I went to high school with Doug Shedd and, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember Doug, he's a good goal yep. scorer. He played alongside Mario in Pittsburgh. You know, there was so many guys that passed through the Sioux. Mike Siltala was from the Sioux and Mike Schmidt, uh, you know, there was uh, Gus Greck go played for the Windsor Spitfires. I grew up with Gussie. So there was so many hockey players that came out of there. So I almost knew somebody on every team. So over the years, Chris, it's funny because I built up this stick collection. I had over 60 NHL sticks signed. I had Mario's, Wayne's. And anyways, a number of years ago, I ended up selling most of them. I, I regret it a bit. I had Guy Lafleur's, Salming's. I had all of them signed. I had like, you know, I sold them to some online guy. I kept six of them, though. I kept Wayne Gretzky's and I kept Messier's because he gave it to me and personalized it to me in Boston when they won the cup. So I kept a few, you know, with the collectibles, but I don't have too much stuff left. I had a lot of memorabilia back in the days you know i was so lucky all the players would hand me their sticks uh yari curry gave me a stick right off the ice one night it's just you know I, nowadays uh i don't know what they're worth anymore it's just just a bunch of old, old lumber in my house but uh but it's uh i was a lucky guy buddy to have grown up in that era and you know hockey's you know, I never made it in hockey. I only played as a kid in high school hockey, that level of hockey. But hockey has been such a, a great savior in my life in bad times. And sports as a whole is I, I, I inspire and encourage every kid to get out and play sports. Because if it wasn't for sports in my life, you know, Chris, I, I might have been a, a, a casualty of, of depression or suicide. Sports is, has been a... And a great enlightening thing in my life, Chris. And uh, it's great. I'm flattered again. And thank you for having me on to be able to come and, and sit and chat about all those old great times. You know, uh, 
it's amazing. Sports, sports got me through a lot of hard times too. Uh, when I lost my father in the mid eighties, I lost wow. him two days before Christmas before. Yeah. Yeah. December 23rd, 1985. And, uh, wow. I blame, I, it was hard. I I'm actually sharing this with you. I usually keep this to myself, but, uh, I blame myself for a couple years. It was really hard. And then I had teachers and principal back in the eighties telling me I would be a dropout. I would be unsuccessful. And I use that as motivation to stick it to them because just because somebody loses a parent doesn't mean uh, a a human being, a child is going to be a dropout and get into the wrong crowd and stuff like that. And, 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 and you know what, that, that back then that shouldn't have never been allowed a teacher or principal should never ever say that to a student so that really stuck with me back then oh, to, to wow. prove them wrong and stuff like that and you know what i don't use what happened to me is is an excuse for people to feel sorry for me i use it as as my story to motivate me and it changed my right. life and you know what i'm not alone there's other people out there too that have lost a parent or parents when they were younger in life and i had to grow up earlier i didn't really get to be a kid uh, a teenage kid, a typical one, uh, back then I had to grow up a little bit earlier and be more responsible. So absolutely. Wow. That's sad that you lost your dad when you were 13 years old. That's, I couldn't imagine. That's, that's really sad, Chris, but, uh, but I'm sure not alone. Made, you, made you a stronger person. You know, I, I think of, uh, you know, so many sad stories. Uh, Luke Richardson became a really good friend of mine on the Leafs. Uh, we were really tight buddies. And, uh, you know, he asked uh, my band to play at his wedding in Ottawa, which we did, you know, it was what a thrill him and Stephanie married. And I'm sure you know what they went through with their daughter. Uh, such a sad story. You know, she was a, a good hockey player. She was going to apparently make make the, the Canadian women's team. She had a good shot at being on the Olympic team. And she, I guess, was suffering from depression and so Luke and Stephanie lost their daughter to suicide. And, you know, Chris, it's, uh, you know, all these things in our life, they make us stronger people. We all have to go through adversity, eh, buddy? But, uh, and I went through my share. And I'm, uh, I'm just happy that I made it out alive. And, you know, I have two beautiful children again. And, and I've been blessed in life, Chris. And I'm sure you have too. And I'm sure what you went through with your dad made you, made you a stronger, a stronger guy, you know, growing up with, with the loss of your father. Yes. And uh, I was going to say, Frank, uh, Sandra Murray wanted to uh, put a comment on here too. Sandra is, I've only known her for two months, but it feels like I've known her for years. She's been very supportive of me as a person in my podcast. And uh, she's helped me get a few guests like yourself on and a couple other guys uh, from the OHL. And, and she just wanted to say thank you, Frank, for taking me down memory lane and agreeing to do this show. I love your transparency about your struggles and victories in life and can't wait to see you again in hockey town. Uh, uh, thanks, Chris. I'm flattered you had me on. Please thank Sander for me. And uh, and I, I have a lot of friends influential in the music business and sports business. And I, because you're such a good guy and I'd like to see your show uh, prevail and, and, and reach higher, higher goals, then I'll do my best to send people your way, hockey players, athletes, musicians that have some interesting stories for you. Thanks again, Chris. And... Uh, and uh, all the best to you and, and the future of your, your dreams here. 
Do you, do you, uh, just another comment here from Ronald. Sure. Uh, I worked with Frank in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, and got to see his band in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Ronald's his name. Oh, Ron Kirzner. Yeah. Kirzner. Yeah. Yes. He, he saw us open for Trooper. And it's funny because I, I don't know, Chris, it's funny because my family, when I grew up, I had a great aunt. I'm Italian, you know. She was, uh, she was like, a legend in Sault Ste. Marie. She opened a pizza place in the fifties called Aurora's pizza. And it was like lineups down the street. Well, I mean, coffee, Gretzky, you know, all those greyhounds over the years would eat her pizza. She's a legend, you know, Graham Bonar. He always asked me, Hey Frankie, when are we going to get some of that Aurora's pizza? Cause I used to make it, you know, I know how to make it like her. So it, she's a legend. It's kind of like, what would I compare it to? I don't know if you know Toronto well. It's kind of like California sandwiches in Sault Ste. Marie. Like it's that old mon pa kind of popular Italian place. So that was my grandmother's sister. So as a kid, all those hockey players, Hartsburg and, you know, I mean, the Sioux had so many great guys on the Greyhounds that passed through there. Doug Shedden, Steve Gatso's, uh, the list is so long. I mean, Chris Simon, Denny Lambert, uh, all the great players that played in the Sioux, they all knew about my aunt's pizza. So when I'd run into them, they'd say, Frankie, where's that pizza? I want that pizza. So it's funny you brought up that story about Ronnie because he used to deliver pizzas for me, the guy that just sent you the message. But that's a little funny side story. But anyway, Chris, once again, I, I assume we're pretty much wrapping up here. Yep. Just, but I want to uh, thank you. Uh, yep, it's a fun more, conversation. Yep. Just two more questions. What was it like being an owner of Mojo's Pizza? And how did you come about that, Frank? Sure. Well, it was, again, it was, it was only because my aunt was such a legend in the Sioux. You know, you can Google her, Aurora Bukovic. In the Sioux, she's like, I think they'll know her name for another hundred years. She's like an institution there, you know? So it was just, I was lucky to be in a family where I had an aunt who made amazing Italian food and she taught me how to do it. And so did my grandmother. So I, 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 I can't take the credit. You know, I have to just say that I tried to make it as close to as well as she did as I could. That's all I'd say about it. I don't think I made it as well as she did because you know, Chris, those restaurant family restaurants, as they get passed down, they always drop off a little bit. You know what I mean? It's never the same when the original owner is in there. So I was just lucky. And then, you know, when I was in that kind of midlife, mid thirties, I didn't know what I was going to do. The, the band thing was fading out and my bass player was so busy with Burton Cummings and Tom Cochran that he just didn't have time to play with us anymore. So the music thing started to tail off a bit. And I thought, hey, I'm going to open a little pizza place because I knew how to do that. I had it for a few years. It was it was doing well. But I'll be honest, it's not the business for me. It's just too many, too much hard work, Chris, running a restaurant. It's too time consuming. You're in there 15 hours a day. My kids were little. I had no life. I was making dough and sauce 24 seven. And it, it just started to, I loved the pizza. I loved, you know, the camaraderie of having people come in and get pizzas and say hi. And I kept all my NHL pictures on the walls with Gretzky and Messier. And, you know, everybody liked to come in and see, see the spectacle of all my hockey 
pictures and and I loved you know I loved I loved seeing the people but the work involved in a restaurant Chris I I would tell you stick to stick to interviewing people about sports <laughs> that's what I'll tell you don't get into the food business it's a it's a real grind and there's how that yes. happened <laughs> Okay, and I just got two quick questions. We'll wrap it up. How did you become a Detroit Red Wings fan? And uh, what are your favorite? What are who are some of your favorite Red Wing players? And what other sports teams? I'm do glad you, you asked me this. The I'm glad you asked me this. But my, like I said, my dad and uncle were from Sioux, Michigan. So, and and I mentioned this name a few times. You know, Fred Perlini was a big influence in my life, and he's such a great guy. He's been my friend for for over five decades you know we played hockey against each other and he he runs hockey schools in the Sioux he's a legend in the Sioux and his father as well was maybe the best well and this is a funny story the Red Wings used to hold their training camp in Sioux Michigan believe it or not this is way back yes Yes, way back and Fred Perlini was playing you know he'd go out as a walk-on he'd go and skate with the wings because he was so good. And i never forget, it's a true story that Gordie Howe once said that Fred Perlini was the best player he'd ever seen. Even Phil Esposito says it. It's on YouTube. He says that Freddie Perlini was the best talent that ever came out of Sault Ste. Marie. He never, you know, politics. Some people don't. It didn't work out for him. He went to Chicago, you know, took a shot with the Blackhawks. Didn't work out for him, but what an athlete he was, and his son was such a friend and influence in my life there in the Sioux. You know, so, so, and that connection to Michigan with my uncle, it, 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 you know, I love the wings. I love their uniforms. I, and we're, we got more in the Sioux as a kid. We would get more Red Wing games on TV than we got Leaf games. Back then, you remember, Chris, the, the Leafs were only on on Saturday nights, right? But I'd get to watch the wings three nights a week. Do you know what I mean? So on WKBD so, channel 50. That's right. Bud Lynch. Do you remember Bud Lynch? And Bruce Martin. They're too who young. But anyways, and going back to your question to finish off. Sorry. Hello. I was going to. Yeah, I'm, I say it was a Wi-Fi connection. And Bruce Martin was from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, who covered the... the yeah, Games he was friends with years. my uncle. Wow. It's funny you said that. Bruce and my uncle were good friends, and that was also my connection. You know, my uncle took me down to Red Wing Games for free because, because he was friends with Bruce Martin. My uncle grew up with Bruce Martin. It's funny you mentioned that. But my favorite Red Wings, just to finish off your question, because we might be losing our signal... Uh, Steve Eiserman, it just, you know, Gordy Howe's Mr. Hockey, and I got to meet Gordy on several occasions. He is one of the nicest men, was, that you'll ever meet in your life. So humble, such an easy guy to approach and talk to. Meeting Gordy Howe was probably one of the highlights of my life. But Steve Eiserman, because he's from my generation, is my favorite Red Wing. And then I, I got to give honorable mention to number 13 and number five, because I love Dad Souk. I, I think Dad Souk, two-way player, you know, Mike Babcock said it, who I interviewed. He said that there's never been, he's never coached 
a, a, a better player than Pavel Dadsu. Just the way he played the detail to the defensive part of the game is two-way, 200-foot guy. I love Dadsuk and I love Lidstrom. But Steve Eiserman is he's my red wing, you know. He'll always be number 19. So there's the answer. Got to ask you this quickly. I have you on here. Sergey sure. Fedorov, one of the greatest red wing players of all time, hockey hall of famer. Number 91, should it be retired or not? Obviously, the Illages family wasn't happy when he left, but yes or no, will 91 get retired at Little Caesars? No Arena? brainer. The guy, the guy scored five goals, the winner in overtime against Washington that time in the play. I'll never forget it. There's not even a doubt. I mean, I loved Adam Graves. He was a great two-way player. Yeah. His number is retired as a Ranger, Adam Graves. I mean, Adam was a good hockey player, warrior, great guy to have on your team. But I don't know. If Adam Graves' number is retired, I would think Fedorov would have to qualify. I don't know. What do you think? Same Fedorov, Datsuit, and Zetterberg are the next three numbers that should be retired. And it took the Tigers 25 years to retire Lou Whitaker's number one. Lou Whitaker's number should have been retired in 2000 when Comerica Park opened along with Trammel. The Tigers really dropped the ball with Trammel and Whitaker, but at least they've made it right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping uh, Steve Eiserman can talk to the Red Wings ownership and say, hey, Sergey Fedorov isn't in the top four Red Wings of all time in my opinion, top four, top five, and his number should be retired. He helped the franchise win three cups in 97, 98, and 02, and uh, he's a Hockey Hall of Famer too. You won't get any argument from me on that, Chris. I, Fedorov was just such an explosive player. The first guy that really skated, him and Burry, you know, in that that McDavid kind of, you know, that that like super high speed, like do everything mm -hmm. at a super high speed and handle the puck at top speed. They were those first yep. kind of guys that that really brought that in. And then, of course, McDavid mastered it. He's a freak of nature. Um, just watching the guy is, is incredible. He, he's, uh, you know, just such an explosive player to watch. And so before it's, uh, Fedorov, I'm a big fan. Definitely. And Sandra Murray just wanted to say one more thing. Steve Eisenman's doing great things in hockey town. The boys coming up here have a lot of potential to turn things around. I think it's still going to be another one or two years in my opinion. I uh, will see, but I like their new head coach, Derek Lalonde uh, from the Tampa Bay lightnings. And it was time for Jeff Blashill to leave after seven years. Agreed. He's from Sioux, Michigan, Jeff Blashill. I got to yes. throw that in. He's from yes. my hometown, but I agree. It was time for Jeff to step aside. And, you know, Sergey Fedorov, funny you mentioned, was one of the guys was up for the coaching job. I, they chose the guy from Tampa, but I think FedEx was one of the guys they were thinking wow. about. Wow, because yeah. Steve Eisenman, I'll say this about Steve Eisenman, he doesn't let anything leak to the media. He, I've never seen someone in management uh, keep things hush-hush like Steve Eisenman. Nobody, even in the Detroit media, has an idea what Steve Eisenman's next move or moves are, is going to be in Detroit. Chris, I think Steve Eisenman is one of the brightest guys. You know, I always said in sports that the best athletes, the Joe Sackicks, the Steve Eisermans, the guys like that, you know, the Bergerons, the, you know, think of the guys today that play such a smart game. There's a reason they're better than everybody because they're smarter. They're smarter people. The, your smarts come into play when you play sports, you know, and Steve Eiserman, I have the most admiration 
button for him. He's such a gentleman. It's funny because at NHL slow pitch in Niagara Falls one time, he asked me for a ride back to Toronto with a friend of mine. So I got to sit in a car with Steve Heiserman for three wow. hours driving back from Niagara Falls. It had to be one of he's, the thrills of my life. He's such yeah, a he's soft my hero. Bo- Sorry, Chris. He's my hockey hero. And I, I started following his career back in the early 80s with the Peterborough Peets. We're the same. I love Iserman. And, you know, he's just such a soft-spoken, humble, humility, just a very humble guy. And, you know, I have a friend named Stacy Hayden. I got to throw this out there. He played with David Bowie. He played guitar with David Bowie. He's an incredible guitar player from Toronto. He lives in Los Angeles. And he's been jabbing at me on social media for several months. So, Stacy, if you're listening, you know, he's been saying they got to fire Iserman. He hasn't done anything there. They're... They're just losing. They got nothing to show. Well, I would argue that. I think they're on the right track. And I think that, that you know, you got to give the guy a little bit of time. And I told Stacy, my friend, I said, Stacy, let's not forget, this is the guy that built the Tampa Bay Lightning. They just won three yeah. Stanley Cups. Steve Eiserman built that team. Hey, eh? let's not forget that. So I, I have all the faith in the world in Steve. And I think in the next couple of years, they're Red Wings are going to make the playoffs. They got, they have some studs on that roster now. That's Cider, Lucas Raymond. I mean, Verena's a player. You know, they're yeah. picking up every every year now. They seem to be getting stronger. So the goaltending and the defense, that's where it all starts. You got to build from the back out. You got to get good defensemen. I believe that in the NHL is, you know, I think that's where the Leafs are lacking, in my opinion. They keep trying goal-tending. to add stud forwards, but I think they're, right. I think they're ignoring. They're a real problem, and I think it's on defense. I think that Morgan Riley's overrated, and these are just my opinions, but I think defense, the back end, is where you have to build the strength in the NHL. That's Absolutely. my opinion. Absolutely. It starts with the back end, the goaltending, and the defense, and that's what Steve Eiserman's doing in Detroit. I think he's upgraded to goaltending. I think the defense is a little bit better, and that's how it works. It's like in football. It's the O-line and D-line. You can have your quarterbacks, wide receivers, but in football, it's the O-line and D-line. And then in baseball, it, it, it comes down to pitching. You're pitching. And, and in basketball, basketball, you need a point guard and you need a center. Absolutely. Yeah, defense uh, in hockey. I think the Leafs are kind of lacking on the blue line a bit. But again, because of all my Leaf fan friends, I'd like to see them get it together. But yeah, uh, at least when one family who, who are. Or you got to yeah. look at it this way. I don't know, though. I, I think the, I, it's just my opinion, Chris, but you look at the roster this year. Don't you think they've dropped a bit? I don't, I'm not sure they've gotten better from last year. I don't. It's hard. It's hard to tell, so. but I I Not, think one of the issues is the salary cap. As you know, Frank. Now, hockey sports is no longer just sports. It's also uh, salary cap, and I think the Leafs are, in my opinion, they're tied up with all their big salaries to their big five guys. And and uh, yeah, that's right. They have too much money, and that they're top heavy, you know. And and. And the only contract there that bothers me, I'm going to be honest, in my opinion, again, I'm not uh, Kyle Dubas or anybody like that, nor do I know the insides as well as them. But uh, but from my sight, from watching the games, uh, Marner's worth what he's getting. He's such a great playmaker. He's, his skill level, his vision, he might be a little soft in the big games of the playoffs, but Matthews needs him. 
him because he's the facilitator. He's the one who gets him the puck. And Matthews is the finisher. So I would never get rid of those two guys. But in my opinion, the, the dead weight there is Tavares. But that's my opinion. You know, I have a problem. And he's kind of declining. I know he's a good leader and he's a smart guy. But I think he's the one that they've got to they've got to uh, lose that contract. I lost you. Definitely. Oops. Okay, because I was just going to wrap it up, Frank. Um, can you still hear me? Okay, I don't know if I lost Frank or not. We we're just hey, everybody, just uh, bear with me for a minute or two. I'm going to try to get Frank back. It's just a Wi-Fi connection. It does happen on podcasts, TV, and radio. So. I'm just, oh, there he is. There's Frank. We are. Yeah, you're back. Chris. Okay. I'm just going to show you before I let you go here how yeah. beautiful Florida is, how beautiful where I live is. So, but okay, thanks I'm for having a... me on, Chris. And uh, it was great talking hockey and music and, and all those things with you. And all again, before I let you go, I'm going to try to try to round you up some guests because I think it's great what you're doing. And I'm going to talk to some friends in the music and sports business. Get them on your show and keep keep it up. Okay, no problem, Frank. I want to say thank you so much for coming on live with CDP Sports Podcast today. And thank you to Sandra Murray for putting me in touch with, with you. And uh, if you're interested, I would love to have you back as a guest again in the future, even to talk a little bit more about your uh, career in music. I have no music talent, by the way. I can't sing, by the <laughs> way. I chased out a bar in New York City a couple years ago when I did karaoke and it emptied out the bar. And the guy goes, never again, never again. <laughs> I would have liked to seen that, Chris. You know what, Chris? I'm the first guy. I'm an average singer. I was just lucky. You know, I could carry a tune, and I had a great band behind me, just great musicians. So when you have great guys around you, they make you look good. You know what I mean? It's like having Matthews and Martyr as your line mates, right? You know. Yeah. So my bandmates were so good. But again, Chris, thanks, and I'd love to come on in the future, and I'll definitely pursue some good guests for you. Keep up the good work, man. Thank you so much, Frank, and we'll keep in touch. And Sa Sandra says thank you for doing this, and uh, I will talk to her later on, and uh, we'll definitely keep in touch with you on social media, Frank. Thank you so Thanks. much. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks, Chris. You too. Have a great day. Thanks again. You, you Thanks, too, Frank. Sandra. Cheers. Anyways, and Sandra Murray, thank you for setting this up. Uh, it was great talking to Frank uh, Fazy today as well. So um, I hope everybody enjoyed my podcast uh, with Frank and that. And uh, yeah, I could have talked to Frank for a couple hours on here, but I just want to say thank you to everybody watching this podcast live on my YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter. And then later on, I'm going to download it to my audio platforms as well. Before I wrap up this show, guys, I'm just going to show you a little clip of the Argonauts' victory over the Hamilton Tiger Cats from Friday night at BMO Field. This clip is courtesy of TSN and the CFL. With a pair of close losses for both the Ticats and Argos in the rearview mirror and Labor Day lingering straight ahead, it's the start of another QEW home at home with bragging rights and East Division points up for grabs as we welcome you to the CNE and inside BMO Field. Tiger Cats won the toss. They deferred. Toronto takes the football to kick things off here in week number 12. 
Adams cutting it back against the green. It's Devon Leak right away out to the 41-yard line. And McLeod Bethel Thompson, two touchdowns, no interceptions against Hamilton so far this season. And see if they're able to create a little bit more open space there with an added speedy threat in that receiving play. Matthew Schultz gets the hold down and chopped this one through the wind. It's Seth Small. Beattie pushing it, and it will sail just inside of the uprights. The extra offensive lineman even double tight end formations. Running that football, trying to wear down the Toronto front. Play action this time. Schultz rolls to his right, throws across his body. Big hit at the goal line, reaching out. For the end zone, Lamar Durant, touchdown Tiger Cats. He goes on and fights his way in for the game's first major. From 30 yards away. And he knocks it through to extend the lead for Hamilton. That stays in the gun. AJ Olet next to him. Touchdown Curling Gibbons Jr. as the Argonauts close the gap here at the end of the first half. To the running back on that. They bring Gittins across the formation, kind of lose him. Six plays, 70 yards in less than a minute. And with just 23 seconds to spare. Dwayne Dawson. I'm trying to piece this one together because they were in field goal formation the entire time, but clearly Gallo wasn't going to take the 10-yard run. Small leans into it. The depth, it's good. Knocks it through. This one from 56 and a half away from Morris Beattie, and that would have been good from 66 and a half. There's no question that 14 and double blue has the leg for that one. Leaving the field goal for the hero of the digs into this one from a very makeable distance and more to go back into a game in which he started for now it's the Argos looking to the end zone over the top which it felt like Hamilton was finding answers, ways to stay out in front. Back down inside the score zone for the Argos. They just cashed in with Devaris Daniels. Where will they go? Here, Hamilton over the middle, dives into the end zone. Touchdown, Argos, as they extend their lead. Continuing here tonight as the Argos take hold of all of the momentum with a couple of quick third... Back-to-back third-quarter majors. Talked to a CFL quarterback earlier today, so what should I be expecting to look for for this Toronto Argonauts offense? So, well, they haven't been able to beat main coverage very much lately. Empty it out. Three by three they go. Evans wants it quick. This time he rips it. It's intercepted. Going back the other direction. The third interception of the night for number three. House call. Jamal Peters, touchdown. Sits back for a minute on Tim White as the quarterback gets looking off. As soon as he comes back, White's way. He's just seeing sort of 
You mentioned the view from up high. You can see that one unfolding in slow motion from here. The extra point is good. I've seen the tour snaps it back. Haggerty with the hold. And Hamilton will end the ball game as its victory formation for the double blue and turnovers on four of their last five possessions down the stretch. Injury concerns. Anyways, guys, the Argos won that game 37-20. to That clip was courtesy of TSN and the CFL as well. Just to let you guys know, uh, this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock on Twitter Spaces, uh, I'm going to be doing the Argo Bounce live audio show with my co-host Nick Small this Wednesday at 7 o'clock, and we're going to break down the 37-20 the win for the Argonauts over the Tiger Cats. Uh, the Argonauts are now 5-5 five and five on the season, and Nick and I are going to talk about preview the game against the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats again for the fourth time in five weeks on uh, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and that game on Labor Day is going to be next Monday as well. And guys, just to also let you know, I'm going to be uh, actually on a podcast show this week uh, as a guest. Uh, Tuesday night, this Tuesday at 7.15, uh, Sean Stewart, who is the uh, uh, founder of his own podcast show in the Detroit area called Sports for America, I'll, I will be on his show. And uh, I will promote it on my social media pages. And I'm going to be talking a little CFL with Sean Stewart as well. And you can check him out on sportsforamerica.com. And I look forward to speaking to him on his podcast. So that'll be the first time I've been a guest on someone's podcast as well. So again, check out the Argo Balance live audio show this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock with Nick Small, my co-host on Twitter Spaces, which is a live audio on Twitter. And I'm looking forward to that. Guess what, guys? My next Live with CDP podcast is going to be this Tuesday, August 30th at 4 o'clock Eastern with my guest, Jarius Loval. Loval. Uh, he's an inspiring actor and sports fan in New Jersey. So Jarius is going to talk about uh, trying to get into show business entertainment as an inspiring actor and also talk a little bit about sports as well. And I believe he's a pro wrestling fan as well. So hope you guys can tune into season four, episode 26 of Live with CDP Sports Podcast this Tuesday, August 30th at four o'clock Eastern with Jarius uh, Loval as well. And like I do with all my podcast shows, guys, I'm just going to wrap this up. Uh, live with CDP, the audio version is going to be downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn. And also, guys, StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP podcast. And I am working on getting some local sponsorships for Live with CDP Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. I might have something coming up very shortly. And also, I have an announcement to make within the next week about my uh, show in September. And it's kind of exciting news as well. And you guys can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP on TikTok. Live with CDP on TikTok as well. And I'm hoping to have some new podcast shirts, uh, new redesigned shirts come out hopefully in September and October as well. And you guys can also check me out on wordpress.com slash home live with cdp.wordpress.com. I wrote an article this week why the CBL, the Canadian Elite Basketball League, failed in Guelph in their four seasons here. Um, 
I think I've had a lot of positive reviews about it. There's a few people that aren't crazy about it, but uh, to me, I personally think they made a mistake moving the franchise to Calgary, but we'll see what happens there as well. So I hope you guys can check out that article again on wordpress.com slash home slash live with cdppodcast.wordpress.com. And you guys can also check me out on uh, beacons.ai uh, slash Chris Palmy, where all my social media content and media sites are on this page as well. And before I go, guys, uh, I'm just going to show you uh, my new business card I got created, a uh, digital business card created by my friend Martina McBride, or M Martina Barnett, Martina Burnett. And this is my um, uh, business, digital business card here. And I have paper ones too. And all you do is um, take your camera and you can scan it. It'll take you to uh, beacons.aa. And basically every website I'm on and social media site I'm on there as well. So, and if you're interested in coming on my uh, podcast show, uh, please do all my information, my email address, my uh, numbers on there as well. And beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme on there as well. So hope you guys checked that. I think she did a really nice uh, job as well on my uh, business card. And uh, yeah, like I said, I look forward to it as well. And I think that's pretty well it for my podcast show, guys. Um, yeah, and also a shout out to Are You Serious Tap and Grill on 130 Silver Creek Parkway, North St. Guelph, 519-766-0230. They are the official uh, pub of Bill's Mafia in Guelph. So if you want to uh, watch a Bill's game at a pub in Guelph, uh, they are one of the Bill's backers uh, in this city for that as well. And they do have good food and good drink. And a shout out to the bartender dave as well again i want to say thank you again to my guest today frank uh Faze, for coming on and talking about his career in radio and as a musician and his stories in sports as well so i really enjoyed talking to frank and hopefully we'll have frank back on again in the future as well and he's from sault Ste. marie and i was born there but i didn't live there that long i think i only lived there until 74 so um again i'm going to wrap up this show guys and just to let you know, yeah, the next show will be Tuesday, August 30th at 4 o'clock with my guest, Jarius uh, Lovell, as an aspiring actor and sports fan from New Jersey. So that'll be Season 4, Episode 26. And I'm going to be trying to work on more guests uh, for next week and the week after as well. So, uh, again, I want to say thanks to Frank Fazee for coming on. And Sandra Murray, a big shout-out to you uh, for setting me up with uh, Frank on here as well. So, uh, guys, just give me about 10, 15 minutes, and I'll have this podcast show uh, downloaded to my audio platforms and you guys can listen to it later on so i hope everybody has a great day we'll see you tuesday at four o'clock for another edition of live with cdp sports podcast and then wednesday seven o'clock on twitter spaces for the argo bounce uh live audio show with myself and my co-host nick small so i hope everybody has a great day and thanks for watching live with cdp podcast and also listening to the show later on We'll see you guys Tuesday at 4 o'clock for Season 4, Episode 26 of Live with CDP Podcast. Have a great afternoon, everybody.